Great. You know, during the worship, I just had this phrase, step into freedom. And I just believe God is speaking to some people here. Maybe you've been dealing and holding on to uh, some issues, some anxiety, some fears, maybe some unhelpful habits. I believe God is wanting you to step into freedom this morning. He will give you the strength. And as you step into freedom, you're stepping into his love. It's his love we've been singing about this morning. Can I just encourage you just to respond to God in your hearts as we continue on this morning? Great. Okay, so uh, this is our final week in our Paraclesis series. It's great to have Trevor, who wrote uh, the series with us. does mean that I have to stay to script a little bit. Um, (laughs) Forgive me if I go a little bit off-piste, but uh, let's see how we go. But uh, if you're visiting us today, um, most of us have got journals that we've been working through. If you haven't got a journal, do you want to just raise your hand and my lovely assistant, John, will um, hand you a sheet. Brilliant. That way you can follow on. If you need a pen as well, please put your hand up. You will be needing some pens later. Everyone got pens? Brilliant. Okay, so the last five weeks, we've been looking at this whole subject of journeying together. And it's based around this word, paraclesis, uh, a Greek word that's found in the New Testament over 140 times. And it's one of those words that's very hard to pin down in one English translation. Spurgeon, I think, once described it as as a prism. It's multifaceted. No one single English word fully describes what paraclesis means. And over these weeks, we've been looking at these different facets. We've been understanding that it means to encourage, to console, to to exhort, to bring direction as well, and to comfort, to help people find healing and strength in the broken places. But... At its core, its basic definition is simply to come alongside others. And the key scripture that we've been using for this series is 2 Corinthians 1, verses 3 to 4. And in the message it says, he comes alongside us when we go through hard times. And before you know it, he brings us alongside someone else going through hard times so that we can be there for that person, just as God was there for us. And through these weeks, as we've been looking at this whole subject of journeying together on a Sunday morning and in your small groups, we've seen how every single one of us has a rich resource of life experiences that God can use if we place it in his hands to help us encourage and support someone else, to come alongside someone else. It starts by recognizing how God has worked in our own lives, particularly through those struggles, particularly through those difficult times, recognizing how he has brought us through and recognizing that that understanding and that grace and that wisdom that we have gained going through those times God can use to help someone else. The grace and truth that we've received from God through those times, we can pass on and share 
with other people. It's a powerful thing. And this week, our theme is connecting. Connecting. What do we mean by connecting? Simply this, taking what we are developing in this community, a loving, caring, one another in community, and taking it out there, beyond these four walls of our church building, and reaching and connecting with our neighborhoods and our communities beyond. And so this title this morning is, Have You Ever Felt the Need? Have you ever felt the need? Because first base for all of us is that we need to be moved by the massive needs out there. So in order to start impacting our society, we need to be moved with compassion as Jesus was to reach those massive needs out there. It's where it starts. You know, it's no good... Just us having this amazing, loved-up community if it's not impacting our neighborhoods. There's no point. We are called to reach our communities, to connect and impact our communities. If you were with us the tail end of last year, you remember we went through a, a preaching series on Nehemiah. And you know, there's so many things we can draw out, and we did draw out of Nehemiah. But one of the standout features for me of Nehemiah was his total compassion and concern for his people miles away in Jerusalem. There he was in the luxury of the king of Persia's temple, successful, cupbearer to the king, really high up, comfortable, successful, yet he showed compassion and concern for the needs of his people miles away in Jerusalem. He was moved to meet their need. He felt strong enough to do something about it. And, and the question really I want to ask us this morning is, do we feel something of the massive needs that are all around us? As I said, God wants us to connect with those needs. And our paraclesis word for, for this morning is to entreat, to entreat. It's a word that we find in Luke 15, the story of the prodigal son. Again, if you were with us, you remember we went through this story as part of our Father's Heart series. And, and we saw that when this selfish, reckless younger son finally came to his senses and went back home, he received the most incredible reception. His father running out to embrace him. Throwing a party, ring on his finger, a robe around him. Incredible scene of grace. And we also saw, though, how the older son wanted nothing to do with it. Why should my brat of a younger brother get all this special attention? I've been the faithful one. I've been the loyal one. And in verse 28, it says he was angry and wouldn't go in. He wouldn't join in the celebrations Therefore, his father came out and entreated him. There's that paraclesis word to entreat. And I don't know about you, but entreat is not a word that we tend to use very much these days. I don't think I've ever used the word entreat. I looked it up on my online dictionary, and it basically says it is making an earnest request to implore, to plead, 
to connect in a powerful and passionate way. This is what the father was doing, going out of his way to connect with the older son and draw him in. Come and enjoy the celebrations. Come come for yourself. This grace is for you too. My love is for you too. Don't stay on the outside. Come on in and, and join in with the celebrations. And church, this is exactly what God calls us to do as the family of God, to reach out and connect with those outside the church and to draw them in, to entreat them, to persuade them and encourage them to experience God's love that we've been singing about, his grace and his truth firsthand for themselves. That's what we've been called to do. And Jesus was pretty clear about this. He gave three crystal clear directives, if you like. The first one, of course, in Matthew 28, the Great Commission. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit. Take this truth. Take this gospel of grace and take it to the ends of the world. The second one is the great commandment, John 13, 34, love one another as I have loved you. As we saw in the second week of this series, you know, this, this should be at the very heart, the very core of every community of believers, a sense of loving one another, a culture of care as we were talking about in week two. Why? Well, the next verse says exactly why. So everyone will know that you are my disciples. Even in this directive, there's this outward entreating emphasis to the world outside. Love one another. Why? So the world will see there's an authenticity about you. There's something real about this love. And thirdly, we've got what's called here the great connection John 20, 21, Jesus now risen, conquering king. He speaks to his disciples and says, as the father has sent me, so I am sending you. Amazing. In the same way you have seen me touch people's lives. In the same way you have seen me heal the sick and deliver people from bondage, bringing hope and bringing life. So you do the same. I'm going back to the Father. It's over to you. Can you imagine what the disciples felt? Hold on a minute. Really? What what do you mean you're going back? What do you mean we have to do the same things? What an incredible challenge. But the key, of course, again, is in the very following verse. Verse 22. With that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. A few chapters before, Jesus had already been discussing and describing the Holy Spirit. He said, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. I'm going to to the Father, but but don't worry. I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm going to send you another helper. And, And the word for helper or comforter, as a lot of translations say, is our favorite word, 
paraclesis. Oh, the Holy Spirit is our paraclete. We saw in week three that Jesus was described as a paraclete by Simeon as he was presented in the temple. The consolation of Israel, the paraclete. Now Jesus is promising to send another, the Holy Spirit, our paraclete. And he will empower us and he will anoint us so we too can operate in exactly the same way that Jesus operated. In the same authority, in the same power, exactly the same. Acts 1.8, you will receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be witnesses to me to the ends of the earth. Powerful, powerful stuff, isn't it? You know, the Holy Spirit has been given to us for many different reasons. You know, he is our comforter. He is the one who guides us in all truth. He is the one in whom we receive strength. Romans 5.5 says he is the one in whom we experience the love of the Father. God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. But you know what? One of the primary reasons the Holy Spirit has been given to us says here in Acts 1.8 to be his witnesses. In other words, we have all been empowered by the Holy Spirit to tell our story of what God has done in our lives. To tell our story. And this promise was, of course, fulfilled at Pentecost in Acts 2. Global Church celebrated it a couple of weeks ago. But it's so important as we come to the end of this series in, 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 in journeying together that we understand this is how we function as a paraclesis community, it's not in our own strength, but it's in the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth. This is what sets us apart, folks, isn't it? This is what sets the people of God apart. It's the presence of God. It's his spirit dwelling in us. We love others with his love. We, we, we're moved by his compassion. We, we heal the sick in his name. We stand in his authority. We operate under his guidance. It's all through him. We persevere in loving one another in his strength. What a relief. What a relief. We have not been left as orphans, but we have been empowered clothed with power from on high. What a responsibility. But also, yeah, what a responsibility. What a relief, but what a responsibility. We have been given the power and authority to impact people's lives, to see them healed and restored in the name of Jesus. Are you operating in that truth? Are you operating in that truth? Paul says we have such treasure within us. It's nothing special about us. We're just very ordinary people. Jars of clay, we described us. Totally ordinary, but we have this incredible treasure within us. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. The same spirit in which Jesus operated while he was on this earth now lives in us, dwells in us. And 
Next Sunday, we've got Akhtar Shah coming to speak with us. He's, uh, he's the campus pastor for Everyday Church in Kingston. And he's going to be speaking more about the Holy Spirit as our paraclete. It's part of our Holy Spirit Sunday, and it'll be a great opportunity to receive and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And uh, Paul in Ephesians 5 encourages us to keep on being filled. Keep on being filled because he's the one who will help us connect with those outside. He's the one who will empower us to speak the truth in love, to tell our story as we come alongside others. So how do we tell our story? Well, usually it starts with engaging with people's felt needs. What is consuming them? Their primary focus at that time, their conscious needs. That's what Jesus did. He connected with people's conscious needs, whether that was sickness or loneliness, rejection, whether that was shame, hunger, thirst, even running out of wine at a wedding party. He was conscious of people's needs, wasn't he? And he went out of his way to meet people's felt needs. But the thing is, he didn't just stop there. He also went the big step further and met people's real needs. We mentioned a few weeks ago that when we meet people's felt needs, it opens the door to them to their real spiritual needs being met as well. Because a lot of the time, our felt needs are actually symptomatic of our real needs. A lot of the time. We think of Zacchaeus, the corrupt tax collector. He was Billy Nomates, wasn't he? Nobody wanted to spend time with, with Zacchaeus. Very good reason for that. Yet Jesus went out of his way to befriend him, invited himself round to his house. And you know what? We don't know quite what the conversation was like, but Zacchaeus realized that he needed more than just friends. He needed to repent and receive forgiveness. And that's what we see happened. Jesus addressed his real need, not just his felt need. The thing is, if we are just meeting people's felt needs, then really we're no different to any other social action initiative, are we? It's, it's just a social gospel, which is no gospel at all, if we're not directing people to the truth of Jesus Christ. It's worthy, but it's not life-giving. It's not life-giving. And Jesus said, as the Father, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. We too need to help people realize that their, their need is not just a felt need, but actually a deeper spiritual need that can only be met, only be met in the person of Jesus Christ. We see that with the Samaritan woman at the well. Jesus connected with her over a conversation about water. They were both thirsty. It was her felt need. Talked about water for a bit. But he didn't stop there. 
he then goes to address her real need by saying, look, whoever, whoever drinks this water is just going to get thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water I give them will never thirst again. This is meeting your real need, your real spiritual need. And um, some of you will know Scott Marks, who leads the River of Life Church in Harare, in Zimbabwe, part of our family of churches, New Frontiers family of churches. And he's been using this model of meeting people's felt needs to actually respond to their real needs with amazing effect. He's planted churches using this model throughout Zimbabwe and Mozambique with dramatic effect. And the needs are pretty obvious because, well, basically it's lack of food and employment. Lack of food and employment. So what they do, they set up huge chicken farms. Huge chicken farms. Saw some photos of it a while back. Massive I don't know how many eggs they get, but they're employing local people. They're meeting the felt need of food and employment. They run car repair workshops, training people up to run their own businesses. They teach farming techniques using the Farming God's Way or Foundations for Farming model that's gone global. They have this thing called Operation Trumpet Call. But the thing is, all these initiatives go hand in hand with sharing the gospel the good news of Jesus. People aren't just being able to now feed themselves. They're also discovering that Jesus is the bread of life. Not just meeting their real needs, but meeting their real spiritual needs, or their felt need, but meeting their real spiritual needs. We have a powerful message of truth, don't we? And as we speak the truth, as we love, empowered by the Holy Spirit, we will see incredible transformation. They need to go hand in hand. And we see in Acts 3 a great example of the disciples responding to this great connection. And um, if you want to turn in your Bibles, it's come up there. Acts 3, first eight chapters. I'm just going to read out together. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now, a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gates called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. And so the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold, I don't have. But what I have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. And instantly, the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. It's just a beautiful story, isn't it? A beautiful story. There they were, on their way to pray in the temple. They come across this beggar. Chronic, chronic condition. Lame from birth. Can you imagine it in those days? Absolutely no future, no hope. He was 40 years old, we're told. Lame from birth. And if that wasn't tough enough to deal with, he also had to deal with the rejection 
of the community, particularly the religious leaders. He was totally marginalized by religion. Lame people were not allowed in the temple. It harks back to the holiness laws in Leviticus. You weren't allowed in the temple. And you know what's tragic? Is that the church today can still operate like that. You know, only accepting the right sort of people. People like us. How tragic when people often say, well, I'm not really the church type. I've had that say to me loads of times. You know, if if people knew my background, if people knew what I, I struggled with, if people knew my issues, they wouldn't want me in their church. Question is, what is the church type anyway? There is no church type except for the fact that all of us have fallen short of the glory of God. You know, if if you want to find out what the church type is, you can read 1 Corinthians. Paul addressing the church in Corinth. He said, some of you were drunkards, greedy, sexually immoral, idolaters, all sorts of other things that we wouldn't consider church type. But you have been cleaned up. You have been given a fresh start by Jesus. Church should be a place where the broken and the marginalized and the generally messed up should be embraced and encounter the life-changing message of Jesus. Why? Because that's what some of us were, if not all of us. So there he was, dumped at the gate completely dependent on people, at the mercy of others, begging for money. That was his felt need. There was no welfare state, no social services. He needed money to get him through the day. And, and, you know, I don't know, maybe he did quite well out of that. He was in a good position, right by the temple gate. And he probably did quite well out of the religious types, wanting to make themselves feel better before they went in to pray. You know, I feel much better about myself. I've given two small coins to this gentleman. God's going to accept me now. Totally false religion. Making themselves feel better. You know what? It's, it's quite easy to think you're connecting with the needs of others without actually getting your hands dirty. It's very easy to do that. That's not what Jesus modeled. That's not what Peter and John modeled here. So while many saw this guy as just a, a nuisance, a bit of an eyesore, they saw it as an opportunity to bring real change, to connect with this guy at a powerful level. You know, I think it's important, it says in your book, that they were connected to a caring community. I think it's important to realize that. A community that we read in Acts 2 and 4. Acts 4 says there were no needy people among this community. Amazingly challenging. Why? Because they looked out for each other. They were a paraclesis community. And so what they were doing was simply taking this radical church culture and taking it onto the streets. That's what they were doing. They were just taking it out onto the streets. So so Peter connects with this guy. Verse 4, he says, look at us. Look at us. Perhaps for the first time, this guy was being seen as a person and not a problem. 
I think we looked at it was week two, I think. We, we looked at the fact that there are no problem people, just people with needs. And we all have needs. There are no problem people, just people with needs. This was a guy with a very real need who was just used to people looking away. Or if they did look at him, look with disgust or pity. Nothing more. Yet here he was being looked at with love and compassion. You know, we started this whole series by asking the question, who cares? Well, these guys cared. Cared enough to get involved. The man wanted money. They didn't have money. And to be honest, money wasn't the real answer. That was his felt need, but money would have got him through the day. It wouldn't have got him out of the situation. What his deepest need was, was to be freed from this crippling disability, to be able to walk free into the temple, to worship God. That was his need. And so they connected with his real need. They said, look, we don't have any money. But what I do have, I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And so really the question that we're finishing this whole series on is this. What is it that you have? What do you have? What is your, what I have, I give you? Week three, many of us would have mapped out our life journeys, highlighting significant key moments in our lives. Times of struggle, times where we've been shaped, times of challenge. And we would have marked down how God has brought us through each of those times. All this contributes to what you have, to what you have. You know, we need to stop looking at what we don't have and start looking at what we do have. Peter and John could have easily walked past, said, sorry, man, I don't have any money. Another day, maybe. I can't really make use of this opportunity. And how quickly do we look to our limitations? I know I do. You know, I often look to other people, compare myself and think, well, I don't have their experience. I don't have their gifting. We're very quick, I'm sure I'm not the only one, to look to our limitations. And yet we need to start realizing what you do have. I've said before, the very thing that you think disqualifies you from helping someone can often be the very thing that specifically qualifies you to help someone. Trevor in in the book says this, your greatest liability becomes your greatest asset in God's hands as you journey together. It's amazing. It's amazing. God doesn't waste any experience Good or bad, that's my testimony, that's many others. It was great hearing Pete talk about his experience of how God has used the difficult times in their lives to help others. That's been my experience too. His grace is sufficient. He is and does work in all things for the good of those who are called according to his purposes. And we just need to think of Peter You know, the the classic, impetuous Peter denied Jesus three times, kept putting his foot into it. He knew firsthand the forgiveness of God. He knew firsthand the grace and the patience of God. He knew that his God was a God of limitless second chances. 
countless second chances. He'd also witnessed Jesus for three years, going out of his way to connect with the marginalized, to lay hands on the sick and see them healed and see people set free. All of this life experience, it all added to his understanding and experience of the gospel. This was his what I have. This was his personal witness to that poor beggar. He may not have had money, but he understood that the gospel overrides all our inadequacies. The gospel overrides all our inadequacies. It truly is the message of forgiveness, of healing, of restoration. He knew that without a shadow of a doubt. He knew that on the cross, Jesus completely took away, removed the curse of sin over us. He took back the authority from Satan over sickness. That is why he could stand there in front of this guy and say with absolute certainty and absolute confidence, what I have, I give you. Now stand up and walk. He knew it. We too, as I said, have this same authority in Jesus' name. And as we step out and place what we have in God's hands, we will see people's lives impacted in powerful ways. Do not underestimate what God has deposited in each one of you. Don't underestimate it. The power of the gospel as it's applied in our lives. 2 Corinthians 3, 2 and 3 says, Your very lives are a letter that anyone can read just by looking at you. Christ himself wrote it, not with ink, but with God's living spirit. Not chiseled into stone, but carved into human lives. I love that. It's the message translation. We all have this unique God-written story to tell. And it's the Holy Spirit who empowers us to tell it, to share it, to be Jesus with those around us. And right now we've got the opportunity to actually start writing down what we have. If you notice, you've got a card hopefully near you. If you just want to pick one of those cards up, if you don't have one, just raise your hand. You there, guys, just to keep raising your hands nice and high if you haven't got a card. You'll notice on one side, it says, I can offer to journey with someone. Space to put your name and also a space to put down experiences that you can help someone else with. You know, I I don't know your story. I know some of your stories. But have a think, even now. And if you can think of something straight away, write it down now in that space What God can use from your life experiences that can help someone else, that can bless someone else. I was thinking about this for myself. I was thinking, what would I write down? Because sometimes when you look at a blank piece of card, it's it's quite hard to suddenly think, oh, I know, I'll start this, this, this. So I was was thinking, what could I write down? And the first thing that sprung to mind is that I've experienced the loss of my father. So I can help someone deal with the loss of a loved one. 
I've experienced healing and comfort from God, and I can pass that on to someone else going through the same thing. Uh, Another thing, I spent 18 years in the music industry that nearly cost me my marriage. And actually, I think it was last week, I've been asked to speak at an event um, to Christians in the music industry to help them on their journey. So some of the wisdom, some of the truth, some of the grace that I've experienced as God's brought me through that, I can then pass on to them. So I mean, just have a think. Each one of us has a story to tell. Each one of us has different experiences that we can write down if you want to. I really encourage you to do this. I don't know, maybe you've, you've had to deal with, you've struggled with addictions. You can help someone else who's going through that. Maybe you've dealt with long-term sickness or, or caring for someone with long-term sickness. You could put that down. Maybe you know what it's like to be a victim of injustice. You've been falsely accused at work or whatever. Write that down. You can help someone who's going through the same thing. Maybe you've experienced the isolation of, of being a new mum, left at home with this thing. This thing. What do I do with this thing? Or the isolation of, of being a single parent or being a divorcee. You can help someone else. Maybe you know what it's like to have dealt with teenagers. We're, we're yet to reach that stage. But you know what? Uh, well, there you go. Write it down. Write it down. You know what? When we get to that stage, I want someone to journey with me. Someone who's been there looking at no one. Wanting to journey with me to help me through that stage. You know, it, the list is pretty endless, isn't it? Because it's real life. It's real life. So, so think, ask the Holy Spirit, even now as we're drawing to a close, what you can put down, what God can use. Ask the Holy Spirit to bring to mind something that you can write down and allow it to become your, what I have, I give you. And on the flip side, we've got space. It says here, I need someone to journey with me. And this is a chance to write down anything that you are currently going through that you would appreciate someone else journeying with you through this. And again, that could be anything. Maybe it's something as simple or as profound as I just need friendship. I just need some encouragement. Put it down. And just to say these cards will be treated confidentially. It will just be the elders who will receive these cards. And hopefully we can make some matches with needs and those offers. Wouldn't that be great? So that we can continue this paraclesis culture within the church. Make some matches and, and help people get a hand up. That's what we want. And that's what happens here with Peter and John. They weren't able to give this guy a hand out. That was his ex- expectation. But they were able to give this guy a hand up. Quite literally, they gave him a hand up. They stooped down. And even in, they didn't just say, get up. They helped him up, grabbed his hand and pulled him up. And strength and healing came. Amazing. Verse 16, Peter actually describes him as having received complete healing. The Greek there implies that he also received salvation as well. Who knows, maybe that was when he went into the temple courts for the first time. Imagine that feeling. I'm now accepted, I'm loved, I'm healed. No wonder he was dancing around. No wonder he was dancing around. This is what Trevor calls here journey evangelism. 
I, I, love, I really like that phrase. It, there's a sense of intentionality about it. Journey evangelism, connecting with people, taking every opportunity to entreat them, to connect with them, to draw them into this wonderful grace, wonderful truth of the gospel. Jesus' mission, he said, was to seek and save what was lost, what was lost through Adam. He came to seek and save what was lost. We get to continue that mission in the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's step out with confidence in the authority that we have in Christ and use what we have. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you.